I've been so tempted to just start discoing across the floor every week when that's been playing, but I've held myself back. I've just restrained myself. I didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't want to make anyone feel uh, stumbled by my amazing moves that I could bust out, which you know isn't true if you were here for CP Celebration. <laughs> hey. Glad you're here today. If you're new with us, my name's John. I'm lead pastor here at Centerpoint, and I'm glad you came. And uh, this is the fourth week of this series called Rhythm. We're wrapping it up today. But you know what? This past week, my daughter asked me a question. She said, hey, Dad, can we go to Idlewild this winter? And I, you know, I said, yeah, I think that's probably possible. We have some friends in our church that have a cabin up there, and for many years now, they've been gracious enough to let us go and stay there. And so I said, yeah, let me just ask the Thomases. I think it'll work out fine. And then I, I suddenly was thinking about that cabin and how, how nice it is to go up there. And there's a, there's a kind of a rhythm to it, right? There's a you know, pack up the car routine, but then you get there, and there's this rhythm. You, you get to the cabin, you turn on the water, you build a fire, enjoy And it's that particular rhythm. Get to the cabin, turn on the water, build a fire, enjoy. Get to the cabin, turn on the water, build a fire, enjoy. And you have to kind of do all of those things. And it really wouldn't be the same if you didn't build a fire in that cabin. And uh, in fact, when you go into that cabin, it's very clear that the, the wood-burning stove is kind of the centerpiece of the whole place. It's not the TV. It's not the dining table. It's not the kitchen. That wood-burning stove is the hub of the whole cabin. And it's clear that that's really the point. And I can't even imagine going up to that cabin and not building a fire and just gathering around it and just looking through that little glass door and seeing the flame flicker and enjoying the rest and the relaxation of it. It's the point. And you know what? We probably will go up to Idlewild this winter. And when we do, I'm going to look forward to going to eat at the Red Kettle. I'm looking forward to taking a hike underneath the tall trees. I'm looking forward to playing with the snow. But all of that is peripheral. The main point is that fire. It's just like gathering around that fire and feeling the warmth of it. But you know what? I wanted to tell you that in in the rhythm of your life, the most important thing you could do is to build a fire, a fire of the presence of God that would allow you to thrive and experience the life of the King of Kings rising up within you, bringing about a warmth that would bring what this world needs through you. And so my message today is simply this, would you let the fire of God burn in you so that the power of God can flow through you? I want to ask you today to let the fire of God burn in you so the power of God can flow through you. I believe that all of us share a desire to live a life marked by victory, to live a life marked by overcoming. But the origin and the way that that happens is by being the kind of person in whom the fire of God is burning. So let it burn. Let that fire of God burn in you so that you can experience the life and power of God flowing through you. I want you to just take this to heart for a moment. In the scriptures, uh, in Revelation 1.14, there's a description of Jesus. And, and it says that his eyes blazed like fire. If you could look into the eyes of your Savior Jesus, you wouldn't see the predictable brown eyes of a, a Mediterranean, Middle Eastern man. You wouldn't certainly see the blue eyes of some Scandinavian hippie. You would see the blazing fire of the glory of God. 
in Exodus 13, 21, it says that for the Israelite people, that the presence of God went before them by night as a pillar of fire. The presence of God went before his people as a pillar of fire. It's in God's very nature and character. It's the essence of his being, a pillar of fire. And then John the Baptist came on the scene. It's recorded in Luke 3.16, and he's talking about Jesus, but he says this. He says, I baptize you with water, but there is one far greater than me who is coming, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It is that, that Jesus wanted for your life to be so characterized by the presence of God that you could only describe it as being baptized in fire, like covered in it. The fire being his very own being and presence within you. The fire of God. Let this fire of God burn in you so that you can experience the power of God flowing through you. It's what you're made for. The Israelite community, this is in Exodus 24, 17. It says that they beheld the glory of God, and the glory of God appeared to them as fire on the mountain, a consuming fire on the mountain. It's, it's throughout the scripture, the, the nature, the essence, the character, the presence of God described just as that burning fire. And fire on the mountain is something we know a little bit more about now than we did four weeks ago. Anybody living in Murrieta, Murrieta, you could say amen. We do. We, we experienced something unique, didn't we? About four weeks ago on a Wednesday night, uh, many of us, I don't know if you were here for Seek Night, but many of us were here for Seek Night, and we came in, and there was smoke up over the horizon. We kind of went, hmm, look at that. But we, we came into our, our Seek Night experience, and we were in here praying and worshiping and receiving the word of God, probably two or three hours. And when we came out the doors, we looked up and the hills were covered with fire. The hills were all across the top of the hill. I mean, the photo doesn't do it justice, but the hills were just all across the top of that hill. There was this consuming fire. I've never seen something so close to where I live that looked like that before. And honestly, I felt a little bit afraid. I went back to my house that night, and I remember you know, going out on the street, and all the neighbors were out on the street, and uh, I asked uh, my, my neighbor across the street, he's a fireman, and I said, hey, I, what should we do? I mean, should I pack up right now? Should we leave now? Do we have 15 minutes or maybe 30 minutes before that fire makes its way down to our neighborhood? And, and he could see that I was freaking out. <laughs> so he said, listen, calm down. <laughs> He said, God, now listen, I'm going to be sleeping in my own bed tonight, and you can sleep in your own bed tonight too. He said, and then he pointed up to, to that fire, and he said, it's going to take that fire about 20 hours to work its way through all of those trees, and we're probably going to just let it burn, and we're going to let it burn through. It'll take about 20 hours, and then we'll be ready for it. And you know, ultimately, you know the story. The next day, I looked out, uh, you know, the, the, uh, up the street, and this is the view. It actually was uh, on CNN. You know it's a bad day when CNN puts a picture from your neighborhood, like on, on national news, but the fire had been working its way down. That was in the morning, and at about the 20-hour mark, it finally made its way uh, to the brush line, and that's right about when uh, the fire service put that thing out. But I remember my neighbor and his calm that he had the night before, when he just described it. He had an appreciation for the strength of the fire, 
He had a respect for what that fire could do. He had an awareness of how that fire could travel. And he had a humble confidence about his understanding of the fire. And I want you and I to have humble confidence about the fire of God and what the fire of God can do in our lives. And the fire of God is different than the the fire that came through Murrieta a few weeks ago because the fire of God for the people of God who love him is not a destructive force. The fire of God is a force which gives an incredible power and energy from within to every believer who knows and loves God and is allowing his fire to burn, an energy and a strength for you to be able to do what you're called to do and do whatever assignment you've got. The fire of God is is a consuming fire, and the fire of God will consume away whatever needs to be consumed away in your life. And that's a good thing. Because those things, if they stayed, they might wreck you. But the fire of God is able to come and burn away the things that need burning away. Somebody say amen. It's a good thing to know that the fire of God could burn away what needs burning away. And the fire of God comes, and the fire of God is able to purify. And we need it. We need the fire of God to come and purify. The fire of God cleanses. And I don't know about you, but I never like staying dirty. I like getting cleaned up, and the fire of God comes with a cleansing, purifying that my soul needs, your spirit needs. And so you and I are meant to be the burning ones, the ones who burn with the fire of God brightly blazing from within us. It's what you're made for. Let that fire of God burn in you so that the power of God can flow through you. I mean, I think there's probably a few of us here today that would like to see a bit more of the power of God flowing through us in our lives. The power of God for insight and wisdom from heaven about our business that we're trying to start. The power of God for favor in the relationships. The power of God to see miraculous things from the kingdom of God unfold around us. That's really what you're made for. But it comes from the fire of God burning within you. And so let's not be people who settle for a mere familiar religiosity when all the while God has something magnificent, the blaze of his own presence ready to burn in us. It's what you're made for, so let it burn. Turn to somebody and tell them, let it burn. (laughs) Let it burn. I'm going to ask you to turn to the scriptures today, and we're going to turn in the scriptures uh, to 2 Timothy. And as you're turning to 2 Timothy yeah, these are words from the Apostle Paul to a young, a young leader named Timothy who is supposed to be leading the church in Ephesus. But it's also an expression of God's heart for every single one of us. Even though it's personal to Timothy, it could be personal to you. And so this is what the scripture says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus... To Timothy, my dear son, read this next part out loud with me. Ready, go. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. Okay, so we already established it's a specific letter to a guy named Timothy, but it's God's inspired word, and so it's for you. It's the heart of God that you would receive his grace for whatever misgivings you've got going on in your life. 
It's the heart of God that you'd receive his mercy for wherever you've messed up that people know about or that they don't. It's God's heart that you'd be able to receive his peace because you've got a whole lot of pressure to deal with, but God's got a contending force for you. It's called his peace, grace, mercy, and peace. So I know that sometimes we, we read a book of the Bible like this and we kind of go, okay, let's just keep going. Let's get, get to the good stuff. That was the good stuff. Grace, mercy, and peace. I'm grateful that that's the starting point. That the, the, the heart of God for his kids, for a son, for a daughter is grace, mercy, peace for you. And I want you to grab hold of that today. Before we get into the rest of this message, I want you to just apportion to yourself, allocate towards yourself what God has revealed that his desire is that you would have, his grace, his mercy, his peace. So I want you to just join me for a minute, and let's just pray, and let's just say, God, I receive from you grace, mercy, and peace. <laughs> One more time. Close your eyes this time and say, God, I receive from you grace, mercy, and peace. One more time, say it, God, I receive from you grace, mercy, and peace. Doesn't it feel good to just let that begin to flow into your being? Because don't you need it? His grace, instead of the guilt you've been carrying around, his mercy, instead of the misery of all the mistakes that you could bring a list of, his peace, instead of all the problems that seem to be chasing you down. Now I want you to do something else. Take your hand and put it on your heart and bless yourself. In Jesus' name, right here and now, I want you to just simply say, I bless myself in Jesus' name with grace, mercy, and peace. I mean, the scriptures say, may grace, mercy, and peace be yours through Christ Jesus. So you can bless yourself with it. That's you allocating to yourself what God has already revealed that he wants you to have. One more time, just bless it. and Just say, I bless myself in Jesus' name. Oh, with grace and mercy and peace. You just got to take a big old breath and let out a sigh. Ah, thank you, God. This is spiritual discipline. Learning how to just receive and allocate to yourself what God wants you to have. Learning how to bless yourself as he has already revealed that he desires to bless you in Jesus. Grace, mercy, and peace. Yeah, but let me keep reading these words to Timothy, right? It says in... Uh, Verse three, I thank God, I thank God who I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and persuaded, now lives in you. Okay, so remember, we're reading Paul's letter to Timothy, so it's very personal, and he's kind of identifying something. He's saying, all right, Timothy, you know what? You've got this uh, legacy in your family, this legacy of being believers, and it's really good. I mean, your grandmother, your mom, now you, and that's, that's great, Timothy. Let me just affirm that it's great that you come from a, a, a Christian family. It's kind of that type of language. And on one hand, it could be that, that Paul is just affirming it. But I think as you start to read the rest of what we're going to look at today, it seems like maybe Paul is identifying that there could be a kind of a problem. Because on one hand, it is wonderful to grow up in an environment where all the family members around you are strong believers. 
It's great. But it can also lead to kind of just taking that faith for granted. It can kind of lead to like, yeah, we're, we're a Christian family. We're all Christians. Grandma was a Christian. Mom's a Christian. I guess I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah. We just, we, we try to not do as much bad stuff and we try to go to church once in a while. You know, that's the deal. And in a sense, I think maybe the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, Timothy, could you just don't, don't settle for that? Don't settle for just this faith becoming a take it for granted, go through the motions. It's just a given kind of a routine. Don't settle for that. Let that fire of God burn in you, Timothy. I think that's what God wants to see happen in Timothy. I think that's what God wants to see happen in you and me. And the way I know this is because of what comes next in the scriptures. I, I, I see that God wants something beyond just the go through the motions thing because it says it. In verse 6, he says, so for this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Do you see it? Verse 6, one more time, and I want you to read it out loud with me. This time, read it from the screen, nice and strong. Go. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It is as though the Spirit of God is saying to every one of us, do not be passive about your faith. Don't expect that the fire of God is just going to burn by autopilot. It is meant to burn, but you've got something to do with it. There is a correlation between the fire of God and the gifts of God and our ability to live with the power of God. And you need the fire of God to activate the gifts of God so that you can live with the power of God flowing through you. And, and so he says, I remind you to fan into flame. I remind you that you are meant to be active in this process. It's as though the Holy Spirit is saying to Timothy and every one of us, don't be passive. Take a proactive stance. Decide that it matters to have the fire burning within you. Decide that you're going to be one of the ones who has the fire of God alive and, and the flames of God just burning from you. Decide that it's worth whatever effort it would take to build that fire. And that's my message today. Let that fire of God burn in you so that the power of God can flow through you. But to do that, you've got to build the fire first. So build the fire. I want you to turn to somebody sitting next to you and tell them, build the fire. Build the fire. Build the fire. Fan it into flame if you want to just quote the actual Bible verse instead of my title Build the fire. I want to share with you five aspects of building the fire that are extremely important if you want the fire of God to burn in you. Let me just ask you, though, first, do you want the fire of God to burn in your life? I believe a few people right over here, but I'm wondering, I don't know, over here, do you want the fire of God to burn in your life? All right, okay, good, good, good. What about back here? Do you want the fire of God to burn in your life? Yeah, yeah, I, you do. It's the best thing going. It's the source of strength. It's the light of God creating this radiance and this glow, a manifestation of his love shining through you. Why wouldn't you want that? But build the fire. If you're going to build the fire, first thing you got to do is clean out the ashes. Clean out the ashes. You know, 
imagine you're going into the mountain cabin and there's that beautiful cast iron fireplace and you want to build the fire, but it's got like five inches of ashes at the bottom of it. You can't just, just go starting to build a fire on top of all of that ash. It won't, it won't breathe the right. It won't be able to really get going the way it should. The first thing you got to do is, even though it's, it's, it could be a little messy, you, you empty out, you clear out all the ashes. If you want the fire of God to burn in your life, you got to clear out the ashes. you got to clear out the ashes of guilt. you got to clear out the ashes of shame. you got to clear out the ashes of sin. you got to clear out the ashes of disappointment over the past and the things that didn't work the way you wanted them to. you got to clear out the ashes. The scriptures say in Isaiah 30, 15, that in repentance and rest is your salvation. There's something about repentance that leads to a life of, of a rested, clean center that you need. And the scriptures say in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, So repent, therefore, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Anybody want some refreshing from God? Yeah. Well, you, you, you get it through repentance. You get it through just taking those moments to say, God, I confess my sin, and I ask you to forgive me. He's so good whenever we confess our sin. He will always forgive and the cleansing comes. The cleaning out of the ashes happens. Every time you confess your sin, ashes get moved away. And that creates the space for a fire to really start going. So you clean out the ashes. That's number one. Number two, you set some kindling in place. You place some kindling in that thing. So, so the Thomas is at their cabin. Uh, they, they always have a, a little bucket by the fire uh, by the fireplace that has an assortment of different kinds of kindling. And uh, there's twigs and sticks and, and stuff like that, sometimes some pine cones. But they always have this stuff called fatwood sitting there in the bucket. And uh, fatwood is uh, it, it's these little sticks of wood that have been soaked in paraffin and wax. And, and, and so these pieces of fatwood, they are ready ready, ready, ready to burn pieces of kindling. And I, I love being able to make the fire when they have the fatwood there because then there's no question. It's going to go every time. It's going to work. You need, you need to place some kindling to see the fire of God burn. And, and the kindling that's needed is something like this. First of all, the, the kindling of being together with other believers who have a heart towards God. It's the kindling of Thanks and praise. The kindling of thanksgiving and praise. The scriptures say it in Psalm 100 verse 4. It says, enter into his courts with thanksgiving and through his gates, sorry, with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There's something about being able to give thanks to God that's like kindling for the fire. Because, of course, you've got a list of things that aren't going right. You've got a list of things that are problems. We all do. But when you can set those aside and begin to say, God, thank you. God, thank you that I have a business that's making money. God, thank you that we have a car that works, even though the other one's in the shop. God, thank you that my legs work, even though I got this other problem with my body. My legs work. God, thank you that I have kids that love me. God, thank you that I have kids that are going to love me again one day. God, thanks for everything good that you've poured out into my life, right? And, and when you are able to begin to give thanks, you can already feel it. Even when I just said those few things, something happened inside of you, like sparks start to fly. That's where the flame begins to erupt in the kindling through the thanksgiving and the praise. 
Praise is like that kindling too. When you begin to open up your mouth and sing, sing a song of praise, or if you say, I can't sing, then you make that joyful noise. But when you do it, it's kindling that's getting lit so that the fire of God can begin to burn. So I feel a little bit of of a holy zeal sometimes when, when on a Sunday morning and I'll, I'll walk around the back and I'll see that maybe there's a good number of us just kind of maybe not entering into the time of, of, of worship, at least not participating in a visible way. And, and I know there could be reasons for that. Maybe you got a headache or you know, maybe your throat hurts or maybe you just haven't had enough coffee. I don't know. But I feel sometimes like I wish I could walk right up beside some of you, put my hand on your shoulder and go, come on, Sing! Sing to the Lord. He's worthy of your song. <laughs> like, and you're going to be the beneficiary because it's kindling, and the praise is going to be what starts a fire inside of you. And you sing it even when you don't feel like it. You begin to just sing your praise to God. That's the kindling, giving God praise and thanks. And if you want to look for some low-hanging fruit for that, that fat wood kind of kindling, begin to express gratitude for the gospel. I mean, even if you don't have a melody and you can't think of anything else, at least begin to give thanks for the gospel. God, thank you for forgiving my sin. God, thank you for not punishing me according to the, what I deserve. God, thank you for not giving me uh, the, the treatment that I've given to other people. God, thank you for giving me the hope of heaven. God, thank you for covering me by the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. God, thank you for calling me a son, a daughter. God, thank you for giving me this gift of eternal life. I mean, when you begin to express gratitude for the gospel, it's like fat wood. It's just, it's going, it's burning, it's there. Okay, so you, you've cleared out the ashes. You place some kindling, and now you got to add fuel. You got to add fuel to the fire. You can't burn a big fire on kindling and, and uh, fat wood. You need to bring some big old fuel in there. Add fuel. Bring that, that log of the Word of God. Where you begin to just be the kind of person who reads the Word of God every day, and, and even you speak out the Word of God every day. Add the log of forgiving somebody. That's powerful fuel for the fire. Forgive somebody. Add the log of speaking encouragement to somebody. Add the log of joining together in fellowship with some other believers. Add that fuel to the fire. Proverbs 26.20 says that without wood, the fire goes out. But don't you know that in Leviticus chapter 6, 12 and 13, it says that those Levitical priests, it says to them, don't you ever let the fire on the altar go out. Keep on bringing wood to that fire. And that was to the Levitical priests. But guess who you are? You are priests. You are a kingdom of priests. You are meant to be the ones that would keep the fire burning on the altar. But the altar is in you now. It's you. You are meant to be the one who burns. You are meant to be burning with the fire of God within you so that you can be flowing with the power of God coming through you. So, so you, you put that kindling, you add that fuel to that fire, and then you let the wind blow. I remember being a, a little kid, and we, we, we lived back in New Jersey and before that in Long Island, and had legit fireplaces, unlike the ones here where you just turn a key and the gas goes, you know, real fireplaces. And, and I remember being so mesmerized as a kid because my dad would, would do the stuff, and then, and then as the fire wasn't even going, he would put his face right down there next to the fireplace and go, and all of a sudden, whoosh, 
<laughs> the flames would just erupt. And as a little kid, I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, my dad is amazing. <laughs> but the wind was blowing, right? And, and if you picture a, a fire in a, a wood-burning stove, there's going to be a little lever there, and you open up that draft, and then the wind rushes in, and then whoosh, that fire begins to blaze, and the heat rises. In the spirit, in the experience of the fire of God, you need to open up the draft. You need to let the wind blow. And what I specifically mean is that you would open yourself to an experience of the Holy Spirit because it is the experience of the wind of the Holy Spirit that will get those flames of God rising in your life. And so Jesus talked about it like this. Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 8, he said, oh, it's like this. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear the sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone. Say it. Born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying there's something about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit that is like the, the blowing of the wind. You cannot control it. And here's the problem with too much of our religion, is we try to. We want to control it. We want to keep the religious boxes neat and tidy, because that's much more comfortable. But in, if you really want the fire of God to, to burn in your life, you got to let the wind blow. And it blows wherever it pleases. It, and sometimes the fire of God needs that inside of you and I, for the wind of the Spirit to blow. And that might look like you deciding to, uh, to, to avail yourself of the gifts of the Spirit, and you begin to prophesy to somebody. You begin to speak a, a word of encouragement to somebody. You pray in tongues. You sing in the Spirit. I mean, any which way that the Scripture could speak of the activation of the Holy Spirit. Let that wind blow. Would you just say it with me? Let's let the wind blow. <laughs> I want for you and I to be the kind of believers that the wind of the Spirit can blow freely through so that the fire of God can burn brightly within you, so that the strength and power of God can flow strongly through you into your life. I think that there's probably a, a world around you that's waiting for you to show up with a little bit more of the fire of God. There's a business that you're leading that needs you full of the fire of God so that wisdom is seen because there's light coming from that fire. There's a, there's a hospital that you work in that needs you to be showing up full of the fire of God so that people begin to experience compassion and love like never before and maybe even healing that just breaks out spontaneously because that fire is so bright. The, the fire of God is needed for you to show up on that job site to be the kind of worker that sets the tone for this is how we work with excellence and get this done without cutting any corners. And the, the fire of God needs to be in you so that when you show up in that classroom, that those kids get a vision of what it looks like when a woman, a man, has the love and glory of God burning on the inside. And that's what you're made for. Let that fire of God burn in you so that the power of God can flow through you. Number five, don't let it get smothered. Don't let it get smothered. You've probably spent enough time making fires that, that you understand this, right? That, that you could get a little zealous about, I just want to shove more and more and more on this thing, and then all of a sudden it doesn't go anymore. You can smother the fire. You can smother the fire with just too much. That's part of the purpose of this whole series, is making sure that we are able to draw back and, and, and make the space, the space that's needed for that movement of the Spirit and the fire of God to burn within our lives in a healthy, glorious, wonderful way. It's what we're made for. Now, now let, let me go back to this verse that we've been looking at, verse 6 and 7. 
It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Don't you love verse 7? I love verse 7. I memorized it in an older translation. The, the spirit of God does not, is not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Maybe you learned it in that translation too. And I got pretty used to quoting that verse out of context. And I mean, it's okay. You can do that. It's okay to apply it to the to the context of anxiety and worry and say, no, no, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. It's okay to do that, but let's just come back to the actual context for a minute. The context of that verse about the, the spirit that God gives us is not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. The context is about the fire of God burning within us and then the gifts of God being manifested through us. That's the context. It's as though the Holy Spirit is saying, look, don't be timid about the fire of God. Don't be timid about the fire of God then showing up as and through the gifts of God in your life. Don't be timid. Be bold, powerful, full of love and self-discipline about it. That's the context. Can you see it? The context ultimately of self-discipline to say, I will fan it into flame. I will not be on spiritual autopilot. I will not expect that, that uh, Pastor James's and Pastor Donovan's fire is good enough. No, I will, I will light the fire. I will build that fire in my own spirit, and I will build that fire with all of the fuel that God would give me, and I will build it, and I will let the air and the wind of the Spirit blow through it. Now, I want, I want to just draw your attention to, to something in verse 1, but first, anybody a fan of hummingbirds? I love hummingbirds. I really do. I love them. Every time I see a hummingbird, it's like it, it somehow reminds me of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Maybe it's because they hover, and it reminds me of the verse in Genesis that says the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. But uh, So for Christmas, my family gave me a hummingbird feeder, and I, I, I loved it. I set it up in the backyard, and, uh, and there's a, a bit of a rhythm to it. You know, you make the sugar water, and then fill up the hummingbird feeder, and then watch the hummingbirds come. And I, and I love watching those hummingbirds, and, and when, they, when they come, one will come and begin to, to drink the, the sugar water, but then another one will come and, and dive bomb that one and like knock him out of the way, and then they go to war with each other, and one claims that hummingbird feeder as its own, and we will kill anyone who comes to it. So, so I know it's not actually the Holy Spirit. I know it. <laughs> I saw them, what they did to each other. <laughs> But a couple weeks ago, I was in the kitchen, and it, right in, in this moment, I remembered, I'm like, oh, I've forgotten to fill the hummingbird feeder for, for a couple weeks. And so just then, I looked out the window, and right when I looked out the window, a hummingbird came over to the feeder, stuck his little beak into the thing, and then he pulled his beak out, and he literally, I I'm swear, he looked over at me and went, What? What's wrong with you? Where's my sugar? <laughs> he knew that that thing was meant to be full of the sugar water. But listen, I wanted to tell you, you are meant to be full of the fire of God. There's a world around you that is looking to see that you would be full of the fire of God, burning with strength and love and glory so that the kingdom advances through you. Don't settle for a passive 
autopilot spirituality, when God has designed you to experience the blaze of his spirit within, you need this. You need it way more than just checking some tidy religious box. The fire of God is what will bring the glory of God into and through your life. So let me just go back to verse 1, because I kind of skipped past this, and I want to make sure you hear it. It says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, and then, and then it goes on and says everything that we've already read. But that's, that's why we have read everything we've read today, because there is a promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. There's a promise of life for you that is in Christ Jesus. But for you to experience the richness of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, you need the fire of God burning in your life. You're meant to be on fire for God, on fire for the glory of God, on fire for the kingdom of God. When you are on fire for the glory of God, the fire of whatever sin would try to destroy you doesn't stand a chance. And you're meant to be alive in the goodness of God, experiencing the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. So burn. Burn for the glory of God. Let the fire of God burn in you so that the power of God can flow through you. The promise of life is in Christ Jesus. And for somebody who's here today, I want to just make sure you hear this loud and clear because maybe it's kind of new for you, being in church and taking in a, a sermon and all that. But this is the heart of it, that there's a promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. That God wants you to really live, live free, live whole, live life alive on the inside with the bright, good, loving fire of God coming through you. There's a promise of life, and it's in Christ Jesus. It's in Jesus, the one who went to the cross to pay the price for you so that you could be set free. The promise of life is in Christ Jesus, and it's what he has done for you that opens up the way of God's mercy and grace and peace that we talked about at the beginning to flood into you. So today, maybe it's time for you to believe the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Many of us in this room are believers, and my prayer for every one of us who is already a believer is that the fire of God would grow in our lives. And for others of us, if you're here today, and this is just kind of new for you, what I'm praying is that you would start by embracing the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. So I want you to pray with me, and let's pray together that God would let his fire begin to burn more in our lives. God, I pray that you would get glory through our lives. And I pray, Father, for more of your fire to come. The good, holy, loving, awesome, and wonderful fire of God to burn brightly in our lives. I pray for that right now. If you're a believer and you would say, I think I need more of the fire of God in my life, I want you to just raise your hand right now. If you would say, I'm a believer, but I need more of the fire of God in my life, 
I hope that's a lot of us, right? And it is. Thank you. Keep your hand up. And just keep it up. And would you just say, God, more of your fire in my life. Just say it with me. God, more of your fire in my life. Say it again. God, more of your fire in my life. Burn away what needs to be burned away. Burn brightly with your love and your glory for the greatest kingdom impact that could possibly be in my life. Just say it again. God, more of your fire in my life. (laughs) Yes, God, more of your fire in our lives. And so with your hand raised, I just declare over you that the wind of the Spirit gets to blow through your life, and the flames get to rise up in a glorious way because the wind of the Spirit is blowing right now, right now, right now. Yes, more of the fire of God, more of the fire of God. Fire of God come. Fire of God come. Fire of God come. I'm praying that right now that you would have a distinct sensation in your being of his warmth, his glory, his presence, his healing, his love. It's all this fire of God accomplishing what only the fire of God could do. Now, with your hand raised, you're saying, I want more of the fire of God in my life. Now, I just remind you as you're praying, build that fire. Clear away the ashes through repentance. Put that kindling in place, gratitude and praise to your God. Add that fuel Forgive somebody, bring the word of God into your day more and more. Speak the word of God in your house, over your business, where you work. (laughs) And then let that wind blow, the wind of the spirit. Even begin right now to just pray in the spirit, sing in the spirit that God would get glory through your life. And then don't let that fire get smothered. You can put your hands down. God, I pray right now also for an awakening for others of us that need to simply embrace the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. If you're here today and this is all new for you, this is where you begin. You embrace the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. He died so you could live, and he rose from the dead so that you could experience resurrection life too. And so you you believe a promise. That's what you do. For all of us who are believers, that's where it all began. We believe the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never started following Jesus, I want to invite you to do that, to turn from your sin and to turn to Jesus right now and to ask him to forgive you and save you and believe the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. If that's you and you say, I want to believe the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, would you right now just raise your hand? Just raise it up. That's you saying, I want to start following Jesus, and I want to ask him to forgive my sin and save my life. And just raise it up and make it known that this is the moment for you, once and for all, to say yes to Jesus and to ask for his forgiveness. That's great. Who else? I don't want to miss you. Right over here on this side. Thank you. It's awesome. A few of you that I've just connected with, right over here on this side in the middle. Thank you. It's good. Just pray right now. You just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you forgive me and save me? That's where it all begins. Just say it to him. Jesus, I give you my life. Would you forgive me and save me? I believe in you, Jesus. Just everybody, every voice, say this together. Say, I believe in you, Jesus. (laughs) And my life is yours. I believe the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And all God's people say, amen.